This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to provide medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Guests on this podcast express their own opinions and conclusions. Please talk to your healthcare team regarding your specific situation. Hello, and welcome to the Speak Gano podcast. My name is Hillary Redwine, and I am the guest host for this episode. Today, I'm talking with Speak Gano co-founders, Nee and Jeff Gutenfelder. Nee and I met nearly 15 years ago through a local organization for ovarian cancer survivors, but it wasn't until I was a guest on her podcast two years ago that we really sat down and shared our personal stories. If you know Nee and Jeff personally, you know what a special couple they are. It was important to them to share their story about Nee's cancer journey, how Jeff has been her constant cheerleader and caregiver, and to thank all the people who have shown up to support them. They also share what they've learned along the way and some of their favorite memories over the course of their relationship. This is their story. Hi, Nia and Jeff. Thanks so much for inviting me into your home today and to hear your story. I know that it's going to resonate with a lot of people. Nia, I want to start with you. If you could just give an overview of your journey. Absolutely, and thank you so much for, um, for being here, Hillary. We really appreciate all that you've done for us. My story, I'll try to keep it short since there was an earlier podcast where I went into more of the details, but basically when I was in my 20s, 27, I was diagnosed with stage 3B cervical cancer. After going through treatment with that about 10 years later, I got diagnosed with ovarian or primary peritoneal cancer. So approximately in the last four and a half years, I've been going through one treatment after another. I've been at least six, six or seven different lines of treatment. And right now my treatment options are, I'm out of options and I'm currently in hospice. And so that's where I'm at today. And throughout the whole process, Jeff has been here by my side every step of the way. And I'm happy that he has agreed to join the podcast too and share some of his experiences because it's not often that we get to hear from the caregiver's side. Yeah, thank you very much, Hillary. Well, Nee, thanks for giving that overview and update. And I know that I am one of probably thousands of people who have learned from you and have benefited from you being so open and so transparent with your story. And you've done that every step of the way. I feel like you've taken us along the journey with you. Can you share what your motivation has been in sharing your story so openly? Sure, but well, believe it or not, I'm actually an introvert. (laughs) So it's not my nature to openly share as much as I have, but with my diagnosis with the ovarian cancer, it has been such a roller coaster and I cannot tell you how many times the doctors have talked to us about hospice, end of life care, because things have always, it's just always taken a turn, even within the first month of diagnosis. They were saying I needed ostomy surgery or I have to go home on hospice. And for me, just documenting it, writing about it, it was more therapeutic and it was record keeping for me to go back and reference, but I decided to open it up to other people because I was in such bad shape health-wise, I figured, what have I got to lose? And people, others need to know what, what survivors and patients go through because 
where else are you going to learn this? It's not book knowledge. It's you don't truly understand unless you live it or if someone else has opened themselves up and shared what they have experienced. And and then the more that I've shared, the more that I've come to realize that most people really don't know. It's it's not until you get the diagnosis that you walk through the journey that it's you know, it's everything is so new and it can be overwhelming. And I just remember there was an individual, his wife was diagnosed with cancer and he had told me because I try to be there for support with support as support for them early on and he said, I've known other people who have had cancer and I just didn't know what they were going through. And had he known, he would have offered to help. So I think um, it's just really important information that we can all benefit from for our own health and well-being to take better care of ourselves and each other because really we're in this together. You're right. We we are in this together and I know that you have had a lot of support. I know that you've been a support to many people. You know, Jeff and I recently worked on a video project together where a lot of your friends and family sent sent their well wishes and messages to you and one of the things that stood out to me over and over again was just people saying what they had learned from you. And I know that you have been a teacher in your career, but I think one of your sisters summed it up best when she said you're not a teacher of just academics, but of life. Can you talk about what what that means to you and some of your greatest experiences or memories as a teacher when you just you kind of like the gentleman that you just that you just talked about where you just knew you were connecting with someone and making a difference in their life. Sure, I, so in that video, which is a wonderful surprise and I greatly appreciate that, I was also surprised that a number of people talked about me being an educator and a teacher because I left the classroom several years ago, which I, I, I love teaching, I love private tutoring, I don't like the disciplinary aspect of it. <laughs> But to be honest, when I am teaching, I just, I don't always know when I'm connecting with somebody. Truth be told, I, I don't. Mainly, I think, because I taught math, and that was a subject <laughs> that most people, they don't enjoy, but they're required to take. And oftentimes, what would happen, I, I really remember my years teaching at a private school with kids with learning disabilities and on the outside they would seem normal kids just high energy but they might have ADHD autism various labels that were given to them and as their teacher they really disliked me because when they when they had difficulty understanding something it was my fault it was because I was a bad teacher I could not communicate and they it really lashed out at me. It wasn't until I worked with them year after year that they realized that I was trying to help them and that they gave me feedback because I can't read their minds. And when I could see that they were successful in their own way, that they finally understood 
that was the most rewarding part. And I would say success is different for each individual. It's not just about grades. For some individuals, it was changing their perspective whenever they're learning something new. And I would always try to preface it with, this is going to be easy. <laughs> and um, instead of going into something that seemed really overwhelming. And success could also mean just really in them believing in themselves and the confidence that they can accomplish whatever it is that they want to accomplish. But yes, most recently when a couple of my students found out that as far as my health, I'm not doing so well, they had reached out to visit or to talk. And, and in fact, yesterday I was talking to a student and we, he said he laughed when he was in the, he was a student of mine and he found out that I majored in math. Like that was so ridiculous. And why would somebody want to do that? And he told me, you know what? He's teaching math now. He's teaching math <laughs> and he's teaching science. And, you know, several years ago, he could never imagine that. So that makes me really happy to see former students come full circle and just realize their potential and what they are capable of. And I think that carries outside of classroom into many walks of life. And so I, I find that really rewarding, but it has taken years to actually see that happen. <laughs> but I'm sure that that, and you talked about just, you know, being surprised by some of the people who have, who have come forward um, when they've learned about your health journey and, you know, what a nice surprise that has been. So I'm sure that was very just gratifying to see, you know, like what you were saying, that seeing him come full circle and knowing what a difference that you made. Can you talk a little bit more about just surprises along your journey? You know, are there thoughts, feelings, experiences that have come up for you that you didn't anticipate? There, I would say there are a couple. One would be just being open and honest about what we're going through. I'm, I'm an open book and I just feel like if there's something that I know about or I can share to help somebody else, why not? And I think because I have been open in sharing, it has created more support and I've been surprised by how receptive others have been. Because I would think, some people would think, oh, this topic is taboo. Why is she talking about it on social media or sharing? But a lot of people have actually been very appreciative of that of the information and I feel like because of that I can just be myself I don't have to I don't have to create this front that everything's okay it's not all rainbows and sunshine all the time like I can just if I don't feel well I could tell people I'm not feeling well or have a difficult procedure or you know went through chemo and so it's kind of like this a bit of relief that that has come about and I, and I would say the, the other part that has been a surprise is, you know, several of my doctors, the specialists that I see, they do what I call plant seeds. They will share with Jeff and I, what are the next steps? If this happens, if there's progression of disease, this is what we need to do. So it's an ongoing conversation. And one of the difficult things to talk about is end of life care and which they have brought up a number of times. And so they have been preparing us for, for this. But I would say even with the preparation and us knowing what to expect, it was still very emotional to actually hear it 
and being told that. So that has, that has been something I didn't really anticipate, but I also know that it is important to process the emotions and not just push it aside and just to, to work through it. Nia, I really appreciate what you were saying about not feeling like you had to put on a front and having the freedom to be yourself. I think that's so important. I know you are a positive person, but it's important to give yourself that space to process your feelings like you were saying. What has that looked like for you? Well, I do, um, Hilary, try to keep a positive outlook. And just as an example, when my parents and others have found out that you know, things are not looking good. I don't have a good prognosis. They were wishing for um, and praying for a miracle for me. And I basically said, you know, it is a miracle that I've survived this long, as long as I have, and try to look at the positive aspect of it. I, I believe that making light of a situation and humor has definitely helped up Jeff and I throughout the process. One example is during this last hospital stay when they were saying upon discharge I would get transitioned to hospice, uh, I know I needed to communicate it to my parents. Well, actually, let me backtrack a little bit. When this hospital stay, when I was told upon discharge I would transition to hospice, my dad and my brother happened to be there visiting. And my dad asked to speak to my oncologist in private I was like oh no Jen my brother I said you have to go after him and save me save me from death (laughs) making a fool of himself and my dad basically was telling my oncologist you have to tell my daughter to try these alternative therapies you just have to because she's going to listen to you if you tell her to do it and my oncologist said she doesn't listen to me And it kind of put him in a bad position, but my oncologist came back in and said, your dad said this, this, and this. And I was like, oh my gosh. And, and so I also know that I needed to, I've, I've kept my parents in the loop of everything that's been going on, but sometimes it's difficult conversation. And I'm telling, communicating it with them in Chinese, which my Chinese is very broken. And so I was talking to Jeff, how am I gonna tell my parents I said, I think I'm just going to tell them that they're sending me home to die because I don't know the word for hospice in Chinese. And Jeff was like, there's got to be a better way to state that. I was like, well, it's just very matter of fact. Like, isn't that what's happening? And we just both kind of joked and laughed about it. But just, you know, finding the humor in things is really helped us along the way. I know. And I know that I have that I have been witness to, to that as well. I, and I know that seeing a counselor is something that you have been doing for a while. Can you talk about that experience and how it's helped you? Mm-hmm, definitely. My counseling sessions have helped. I, I started seeing a counselor early on and I would set up the sessions regardless of whether I felt like I needed it or not, just so that it would be there. And for me, it did help when, when I talked to my counselor, we had a good rapport, somebody that I fully trust, have, you know, just unbiased third party perspective. It helps me talk through different things and discover things about myself. And I feel like it's really important to have 
the right counselor to connect with and have that extra support there because something I didn't want to do was just spiral into any kind of depression or let things build up to where it's like I'm trying to play catch up. So I really tried to be proactive in that regard and continue to grow as an individual and not make my life just about cancer and treatments. There's so much more to life than that. And that's what I look forward to in between treatments. What have been some of your best memories, some of the best times in the in-between moments? Oh gosh, I would say it's a lot of the little things that, because I've been limited by what I, I've been able to do, and sometimes treatment makes me just so sick and I'm just in bed all the time. Little things like going grocery shopping, because I love going grocery shopping and just browsing and getting ideas or just being able to cook a meal or go shopping. Most of the shopping now I do is online. I've gotten really good at that. But yeah, just the little things and just enjoying the outdoor, going outdoors with Jeff or seeing the dogs play. I would say that that has been what I look forward to. Or like this most recent time when I've had the NG tube, all I wanted to do was just have a taste of apple juice. <laughs> so, and I've, I've gotten, I've gotten that for sure. <laughs> so you've really appreciated just the, the small moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to transition a little bit. You know, there are people out there listening who, who have a loved one who's going through cancer. And I think oftentimes people don't know how to support somebody. And I know that there have been a lot of people who have supported, have supported you. What have been some of the ways people have shown up for you that have been the most meaningful to you? It's been a variety of things. And I think what comes through is when somebody is genuine and authentic, it can be as simple as just getting a card and the timing is just impeccable. Like I come home from the hospital and I, I get a, a thoughtful card from a friend that I haven't heard from in quite some time or that I haven't been able to visit with. Sometimes I don't even know what kind of help that I need, but I know that what I have definitely appreciated is not just support for myself, but for Jeff as well, because he takes care of me when friends or family help provide food for him, that makes me really happy to know that he is being cared for. And and also just recently, like the, the video piece that was put together by so many family and friends, I greatly appreciate that. That was a really nice surprise. I didn't, it was very uplifting in a time when I needed it. And, and also um, a friend from several years ago I haven't been keeping contact with her when she found out that that I'm not doing well health-wise would come and visit and she was very good at anticipating what I would need that I didn't even know just a more efficient you know phone charger she got me some flowers a better tasting coconut water it was just really the the little things and and also my brothers and sisters just being around because there are a lot of people who want to be around for support, but support doesn't necessarily mean like tangible things. Like my brother who was in town who helped us for several weeks when I had my high pec surgery, he would help me with 
just taking care of me and just being available, being there, helping me empty my ostomy bag when I couldn't get up. It's just the, the little things when I'm not able to do it myself. And I, I greatly appreciate that. And Jeff does too, because it gives him a little bit of a break just to give him some relief. Yeah, Jeff, do you want to add to that just, you know, to the point of you being taken care of? Because I know the caregiver role, you know, takes its toll. So what what are some of the ways that you have kind of practiced self-care and also other ways that, you know, support that you've appreciated? Yeah, so uh, some things that I've done and I haven't been able to do it recently, but throughout the four years, just going on walks. It gives me an opportunity to clear my mind, clear my head, and just, you know, either listen to nothing while I'm on the walk or listen to podcasts, um, get out. In our neighborhood, there's a lake, so I can take about 45 minutes to walk out and go around the lake, and it gives me an opportunity to kind of recharge. I also, a couple of years ago, went on a men's retreat called Soul Degree. And that was a uh, about a week long, went up to uh, Vermont and met with uh, a bunch of men. None of us knew each other. We showed up there and it's facilitated by a man named Chris Robbins. Our cell phones were turned off the whole time. We shared a lot of stories together. We cried together. We went on long hikes together. We did a lot of activities. And I came back from that a different person, I think a stronger person. and. I also built a network of other men through that that I can communicate with. So that's something over the last two years I've continued to be plugged into. Also talking with a counselor regularly. That's something I started probably within the last uh, year or two. Nee had been doing it a lot longer and then I picked it up. Didn't really know what to talk with him about at first. And then, you know, just having those conversations, not really planned discussions, but just having someone there to talk with and wherever the conversation goes, just let it flow. And sometimes, you know, we may not talk about really deep things, but then other times we might. So that's been helpful. And then also for me and I together, we've done a lot of Tony Robbins events and uh, we've been to a lot of in-person events but also after covid tony robbins went to kind of a virtual event and that really helped us especially now with knee going in treatment and things to still be able to plug in and participate and there's been a lot of uh, nuggets uh, and techniques and tools that we've learned through that that have helped me and also my wife knee so those are some things i've done for self-care um, how others have shown up to support me has been in a variety of ways simple things like you know if we post something on facebook just a comment saying hey jeff you know uh, we're praying for you let us know if you need anything just know people are out there they're aware they're they're available at work when i sent out a message uh, recently to my team and some of the stakeholders uh, that I'll be out for a while. A couple people responded back with their personal phone number and just said, Jeff, you know, give me a call if you need to talk. You know, simple things like that, just knowing that people are out there and available. But then uh, larger things like um, there have been a number of times that people will stop by with a meal and drop off a meal because, you know, going to and from the hospital all the time, uh, treatments, you know, it's hard to plan and cook and do things 
And so having someone drop off a meal is helpful. People, we have two dogs, people coming by to take care of our dogs, letting them out, feeding them has really kind of eliminated that stress at times. And then, you know, an example, Hillary, that you did recently was you were at Starbucks and you were like, you know, called me and said, hey, I'm at Starbucks, you need anything? Uh, I let you know what I wanted and you dropped it off. And so <laughs> there's like a nice surprise and other people have done things like that too. Nee's family have been real supportive for me. You know, they let me know that I am part of their family. And so I have three sisters and two more brothers now. And they're always, whenever they're coming by the house and visiting, they're always asking what I need help with and trying to help there. So those are kind of the different ways people have helped me. That's great. Well, I know a lot of people have shown up for y'all. And, you know, me and I were talking recently just about, you know, things that she's continued to do, or the two of you have continued to do for other people, even when you're going through all, all that the two of you are dealing with right now. And it really comes back to, I think it's what you, it's what you put, what you put out into the world comes back, comes back to you. And so I think that's definitely what you, um, what you guys are seeing. And it sounds like, you know, just, I know Tony Robbins and the different events that you guys have attended have been really helpful. You definitely have not stopped living your life over the last four years in the midst of everything. And I want to talk about an interview that Nee did about a year or so ago, because Nee, back to, you know, just you being transparent and sharing your story. I know that you've had a couple of different opportunities to share on a broader platform. One of those was the website SurvivorNet, and you did an interview for that website. And you said something in there that really resonated for me. I think it's going to resonate for a lot of people. And you talked about how you don't beat cancer by finishing treatment. You beat cancer by how you live your life now. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for you? Well, I've learned throughout the journey that there are many people who never finish treatment. It's, you know, it's an ongoing chronic disease. And sometimes when an individual finishes their frontline initial treatment, then they have a recurrence. So if you think of it as a perspective that, oh, if I finish my six rounds or 10 rounds of chemo and radiation or whatever the case might be, then I beat cancer. And then you're faced with having to start treatment again. It seems kind of self-defeating to like reach some endpoint and then having to start back over in square one. I believe that really because none of us know how many days that we have cancer or no cancer, but that's the way that we beat it is by how we live our lives, not not have cancer define us, but just live our lives today because we don't know how many days we have left. And that's really important. I agree. I think that's very important. And I also think that something everybody thinks about at some point in their life, whether or not they face a disease like cancer, is their legacy. What does a legacy mean to you? That's a really good question, Hillary. I think for my legacy, I just want people to remember my story, continue to share it for their own well-being, to take care of their own health and well-being. And if they recognize recognize any kind of similarities or situation that somebody else is in to really step forward, be proactive and help them. 
And I think for Jeff and I, which I'm really happy about, we recently talked about Jeff volunteering for survivors teaching students to share our story to to impact future healthcare providers and patients. So I'm really grateful for that, that he, he would love to participate in the program that I believe deeply in. And then also that we're going to contribute to different causes to help further move the needle as far as research and treatment. But I think just, you know, finding something that you strongly believe in and continuing to pursue it. And I feel like, you know, with Jeff and friends and family, they'll continue to do that on my behalf. Thank you for sharing that. I know these are not easy questions, easy conversations, but I know that it's helpful for people to hear this part of your story as well. And you talked about, you know, Jeff continuing some of the work that you've started. Jeff, I want to transition to you now. I know that the role of a caregiver is so important and you've been NEE's number one support through this entire journey. Can you talk about this journey from your perspective, what, it, what it's been like for you, some of the challenges, um, some of the biggest challenges, what, what you've learned? Yes. So this has been definitely one of the hardest experiences that I've gone through in my life. It's also been a very emotional experience. There's also been a lot of learning and growing that I've done just understanding different treatment options, understanding how to navigate hospitals, insurance. Now we're doing home, home health. I'm, I'm administering, administering uh, IV nutrition and IV fluids. So those are all things I, ha I had to learn and pick up. I remember uh, just a few weeks ago, we were discharged from the hospital uh, late. Yeah, it was probably 10 o'clock at night, we got home around midnight with a bunch of medical supplies, had to open them up, and uh, it was kind of overwhelming and had to figure out how to, you know, work through it all. There's been a lot of, I don't think there's one biggest challenge, there's been a lot of challenges, um, but overall, I think it's about how to balance everything as far as, uh, you know, work, life, self-care, because throughout this, things get out of balance and how to keep things in balance. Also, knowing that it's more of a marathon and not a race. Um, this is a long journey. And so being able to recharge and take time for yourself is very important because early on when he was first diagnosed, she was in the hospital for three weeks and I stayed with her pretty much every single night. And toward the end of that, I was extremely exhausted my back was killing me the nursing staff said you need to go home and i did not want to leave her side and that's a that's a commitment i made right at the beginning is that i was going to be with me through this um, when she had the cervical cancer originally i continued to work and there was a time when she was getting chemotherapy and i wasn't there and i remember calling her and she sounded really uh kind of loopy and I felt really bad about that and during this treatment I was not going to let that ever happen again so I've done the best of my ability to be there every single chemo every single hospital stay but as we've gone through this over four years we've learned you know and talked about it that it's just not feasible for me to stay at the hospital all the time 
And so, you know, usually at night I'll go home and stay and recharge. There have been times that I've gone into work while she's at the hospital and people at work are, why are you here? And it's, it's kind of interesting because it just kind of becomes a part of our life of the uh, hospitalizations, the treatment, work, um, and life. And so my career has definitely had had a kind of step down. There's been opportunities uh, I haven't been able to pursue because of that, but that's a conscious decision I made because I wanted me to be the priority. In the past, you know, I've said, you know, me is the priority, but sometimes my actions reflected differently. And I wanted to make sure my actions were in line with what I believe. And if me is the priority, then my actions and behavior needs to align with that. And so that means other things take a back seat. And that's just the way it is. Also, there's been some challenges. My health throughout this, I had a neck surgery in the middle of this journey. I've had some allergies that have caused my esophagus to close up and choking. And so I've been going through treatment on that. And so there's been things I've been working through, but also kind of one of the other challenges is I'll, you know, it'll, for example, maybe I've been working all day and then at night and he needs a lot of help and support. And then come midnight, we need to go to the ER. And so that's a very long day and exhausting day. And so being able to find time to recharge and, and, and just manage that and not get uh, real stressed out and, and just roll with it. There's also been other times where, you know, it's uh, everything's settled. I'm, I can sit down, I can relax. And just as I sit down, there's something that needs to be taken care of, uh, you know, uh, something he needs. And so, you know, just being able to not get frustrated with that. Yeah, those are all things that have been challenges and I've been able to work through. And I think having patience is a very big part of it. Staying patient, for me, staying patient through this and also being present and in the moment, um, focusing on today. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I really appreciate your perspective and you being so open. It sounds, I mean, it's it's a lot, obviously. It's a, it's a lot to juggle. You're prioritizing me, but you're also trying to prioritize yourself. And I know Nee touched on this earlier. It's not often that men in the position of caregiver are so open. You don't get to hear your perspective very often. So I think it's it's, it's really a great thing that you're doing and sharing your, your story. What advice do you have for other men who find themselves in your position? Yeah, so if... I thought about that and have, uh, there's a handful of things. First, I think men's nature is they like to try to fix things, but not everything has a solution. And in this situation, like there isn't a way for me to fix it. And so being able to accept that and um, instead focus on what I can do, how I can be of help to me, again, staying present in the moment and also accepting support from others and offering, offering the support that I can to my wife. Something else is don't bury the emotions. Sometimes we try to stay just real strong and it's okay to show those emotions and cry, have open conversations. You know, I've had a lot of open conversations with me and I feel like that's allowed our relationship to go to the next level. I mean, my love for her is 
deeper and stronger than it's ever been before. And I think part of that is being able to have those conversations and actually sharing my emotions. It's something I'm still working on and, and working through, but I've definitely come a long way. Don't try to do it alone. I tend to not accept help. It, you know, when people offer it, I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm good. I can handle this. But learning to accept help when other people offer it, it, it just helps things. So don't try to do it alone. Have somebody that you can also talk to because as, as a husband, I'm trying to be strong for me, but I also need someone that can be strong for me. And having that person to talk with uh, and know they're available just helps me navigate and, and get through it. I asked Nee this question earlier. I'll ask, ask you the same. Are there surprises that have come up for you along your journey? Thoughts, feelings, experiences that you didn't anticipate? Uh, pretty much everything. <laughs> you know, I didn't expect really, you know, I didn't anticipate any of this. But, uh, you know, because each step of the way, so it's interesting because the oncologists know the treatment plans and know what's happening, but the patients don't. We've never gone through it. We are going through it, right? So we only know what the next step is. So just accepting kind of what's next, understanding what's next, questioning the doctors, but it's hard to kind of anticipate what's happening next. Uh, one big uh, surprise that happened in the middle of all this was COVID. And mm -hmm. so my wife, you know, compromised immune system. Um, I definitely need to wear a mask. Even if we didn't have COVID going on, I should be wearing masks, you know, when I go out in public. And so that's just another layer of complexity. You know, I was, I had been working remotely for a period, for a long time, and I'd probably be doing that even without COVID. But then COVID is just another layer of just conversation with people. Why are, why Jeff, are you doing this? And just a lot of politics around that. But also another thing I was kind of surprised about, it's still possible to find opportunities to enjoy life during hard times. And, you know, we've had a lot of great adventures together, you know, trips and things. But now, you know, we're not able to do it, but we still find opportunities to enjoy life, whether that's through conversations, simple things we can do at home. Maybe it's watching movies together, laughing together. You know, there's, there's always opportunities to enjoy life, even through difficult times. So it sounds like even though you guys are in this role of kind of patient and caregiver, you still have prioritized your relationship in finding those moments. Yeah, one thing I want to mention there is another thing that's something I've worked through is how my relationship has transitioned. I feel like, you know, I'm still her husband and, you know, but it's it's a different role from the husband kind of transitioning to a caregiver. Mm -hmm. And there's just things we're not able to do now. And it's, it, it takes time to kind of accept that and transition to that. Mm -hmm. And not every, I know that not every husband can do that. You know, I know there's some men that just have to leave the relationship, but that's not something that I wanted to do or think is appropriate. And, and so uh, just being able to kind of work through that transition and uh, kind of accept things is another 
challenge. Mm-hmm. What is there anything that has has helped you in that? Kind of going back to some of the things like talking to others, talking to counselors. Some of it's just thinking, you know, you know, walking and and being with myself and talking through things and understanding things. Also talking with me and talking through things have helped. So I think not staying closed, but opening up and talking to others has helped me and, and also understanding what I really want and what how I want to show up in our relationship and how I want to show up as a caregiver and really understanding that for myself has helped. And can I ask, I know it's a personal question, but can I ask what that, for you to dig a little deeper on that? What, how is it that you've wanted to show up? It's basically being here with me, uh, making her the priority is how I want to show up. I, I don't want to outsource anything. I don't want to, basically, I just, I just want to be with her through the journey and take care of her. And, uh, I know there's a limits to how much I can do and I do need help from time to time, but that's how I want to show up. Well, Jeff and Nee, your experience over the last few years has obviously brought you guys closer. It's brought your relationship to another level. But I know you guys have this incredible love story that began many years ago. So let's go back to that. Tell us, you know, how you met, how long you've been together, and just some of the best memories over the years. Well, Jeff and I used to work together at Video Library. (laughs) That's where we met. I was a senior in high school, and he was attending community college, and so we were co-workers. And... That's a video rental store where back in the day you'd go and you'd actually get a VHS or a DVD, <laughs> and then you'd turn it back to the store. So. Which is yeah. obsolete now. Yeah, the kids today won't know what that is. And so we used to work together, and after I graduated, and he, I attended UTA, University of Texas at Arlington, just transferred there. In our first semester, we had political science together. It was a coincidence. We ran into each other the first day of class, and I was sitting in the front, and Jeff was sitting in the back, just taking everything in. And a few times, he came down and sat next to me, but I was just taking notes. I was writing every word down, even the jokes, because you don't know if the professor is going to quiz you on the jokes. (laughs) We were very different. Opposites. I didn't take a single note. <laughs> knee takes every single note. And then Knee makes an A in the class. I make a C. So that's the way it goes. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't. And, and then I remember we had t- I took calculus and then he took calculus the semester after I did. And I let him borrow my notes. And he returned it with coffee stains. And I thought, man, I'm never going to let this guy borrow my notes anymore. Because he's not <laughs> taking good care of them. And, but it wasn't until after college that we dated and we dated for a couple of years. So we've been together, well, we, this May will be 17 years. We've been together for 19 years. So quite some time and gosh, we've been through so much together. I'll let you share some of the memorable moments, Jeff. Yeah. I mean, early on, like before we started dating, he would call me at the end of every semester and check in to see how I was doing. And that made me feel very important. But I didn't realize that Nee had a whole list of people she was calling. <laughs> <laughs> but she was the only phone call I would get at the end of every semester, you know. 
So um, anyway, yeah, after we graduated, she called me and um, and wanted to talk about, you know, investments and things. And she was working with a company. And so we met and talked about that. And then I asked her if she wanted to have lunch and go to the movie. And we did. And then that led to more lunches and more events. And so for two years, we dated. It was a great experience. And then we got married in 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, we eloped on one of his Fridays off. Yeah, it worked, and our family didn't believe because we had we shared with both sides of our family that hey, we're thinking about getting married, and I don't know if they didn't take us serious, but then we eloped, and they're like, "What? You went and got married?" I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> what was my there? work schedule? I had every other Friday off, and so on one of my off Fridays, we decided to go down to the courthouse and just do, um, do the paperwork and do the marriage. His brother was the only witness, and he, so we called his brother at work and said, hey, we're going to come up there and get married today, and his brother called back and said, do you know it costs money? Do you know how much you're supposed to bring (laughs) to the courthouse? And we didn't know, but... I guess it's not usually just a show up, like there's a process, so... (laughs) He helped expedite things. And... He got the judge to sign a waiver so we get married the same day. Yeah. But we did have a reception and tea ceremony for the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was nice. We went to we went on a trip to Vietnam together for about a week with the family. Um, that was fun. I had shingles. She got shingles. Um, I had it cut. So... The, tri- the trip was cut short. But uh, it was still a lot of fun. But, you know, two years after we were married is when she had cervical cancer. So that was pretty devastating for us. But we went through the treatment, and she was in her mission. And for 10 years, we did a lot of fun things together. We did a lot of traveling. Hawaii. I remember going to Hawaii and uh, went to Honolulu. And we were walking, walking, walking. We were, we were supposed to walk down to this volcano but I didn't realize how far it was and we just didn't make it. But it was it was so much fun just to get out and, and walk around the island. We drove all around the island. That was a really good experience. Yeah, we've had just a lot of different experiences with real estate because we've invested in real estate. We've done a lot of work mm-hmm. with that. Lately, we've been simplifying our lives. But I remember even around the holidays, it was just go, go, go. We'd go to like four different Thanksgiving or Christmas meals in the same day and just we really crammed so much you know in our lifetime and and um, have been able to do and experience so many different things I feel like Mm -hmm. just life has just been really full and and rich for both of us yeah I think one recent trip that we did last year was Cato Lake and um, it's a, a lake over here in East Texas, and we took a day trip out there, and it was just a beautiful experience. We got to see the sunset together, um, got some really good pictures, and uh, that was a really special trip. Yeah, as we well. did a private a private boat tour, and it was just really relaxing and beautiful scenery. It was just perfect, yeah, and just low key, which is what we needed. We just needed to get away. From everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a it's been an awesome relationship, great journey and experience, lots of fun moments. Mm-hmm. And also, especially with our two dogs too. Yeah. Which are like our kids. They have <laughs> brought us a lot of joy. They're about eleven years old now, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we were driving down the road. We passed a Brahms 
and in the parking lot they were doing a dog adoption and he was like let's stop and so we looked at the dogs and uh the lady that was offering the dogs she said we recommend this one for you guys and it was actually a pit bull and we were like that one and so we looked at her and she was just a really sweet dog and uh um, we ended up adopting her the lady said if it didn't work out she'd take her back and but it worked out well and then um shortly thereafter we adopted another dog rocky and he's been just a complete terror uh, <laughs> i think the key to the backstory is um I was terrified of dogs before we adopted our dogs. And whenever I'm outside and I hear like keychains or I always have to look to see if it's a person or if it's a dog, like dog tags. And there was one time Jeff and I, he was working on his car in the driveway and I would hear like tags and I turned my head and I just screamed at this boy because I thought he was a dog and he like, almost fell off his bike I felt terrible I said I'm sorry I thought you were a dog and he like rode away and there are so many experiences like that so for us to adopt a dog was a really big thing and Jeff Mm -hmm. helped me overcome my fear of dogs and yeah our second dog Rocky he's a really good dog but he likes he would love to be the only dog in the household Mm -hmm. our neighbors do like him and he has friends. Rocky has friends. Yeah. I, lo- I love Rocky. I've yeah. taken Rocky for walks. <laughs> yeah. So, Well, you guys have obviously had a full life, a very close relationship before all this. Um, but how has your relationship, not, not how has your relationship changed over the last four years? Because I think you've answered that. But what have you learned about each other and yourselves? in the recent years? Well, I definitely think our experience has brought us much closer together and also just understanding different love languages. I've learned that Jeff's biggest love language is acts of service. And that has really come into play throughout my treatment and care. And even now in the hospice, because we were given the option if we wanted to go to an inpatient facility or have hospice at home. And he was like, you're not gonna go He, he wants me to stay at home so he could take care of me. And I just think that's really special. Because I was concerned, would it be difficult for him when I pass at home and he walks by a room or inside a room if it would just bring back some bad memories. And he just, all he's concerned is that I'm taking care of and that's the best. And he wants me to receive the best care possible until the very end. So I feel very fortunate to have him by my side. Yeah. And he's definitely been by my side literally the whole time. I know Jeff has sacrificed a lot for me. And gosh, it's been probably over a year that we've slept together in the same bed. And just because it's uncomfortable and I wake up throughout the night and 
lately he's been sleeping in the guest bedroom next to me and I will, you know, call for him throughout the night to get help with different things and he is right there. And he just is so patient. He never gets frustrated or upset or anything. And I just know that I remember a couple of the nurses have said they don't wish to get sick at all, but if they had to have a caregiver, they would love somebody like Jeff to be a caregiver. And I think that means a lot coming from some, you know, from a medical professional. He really is there for me and, make, and makes me a priority. I appreciate that, babe, and I'm just so grateful to have you in my life. And going back to the love languages, I remember your love language, the way you like to receive love is through quality time. Mm -hmm. I remember at first, I thought I was doing quality time. <laughs> and it was not, you know. And, and uh, But just learning that, and uh, I think that book uh, really has helped us. The five uh, love languages. Five languages, mm -hmm. love languages has helped us kind of just take our relationship to the next level, understand each other better as well. and. I think what's helped is we've grown as individuals in different areas and aspects, but we've also grown together as a couple, and that's important yeah. to have that. Well, that's evident in listening to the two of you and the way that you speak about one another. What do you admire most about each other? <laughs> well, you want to go first? I'll go I need first. Some time. <laughs> yeah, I'll go first. I admire, um, Nee has a ton of courage. And she's a very petite woman, but super courageous. She's gone, she's faced a lot of challenges and gone forward in the face of fear, not only chemotherapies, but just different kinds of surgeries. There's been a lot of unknowns and she's always been very strong and courageous throughout that. I just admire that so much. and. I don't know if I would have the same, I would hope I would, but I don't know if I would have the same courage that she's had. She's also been extremely positive throughout the whole experience, never ever said why me or been a victim. She's always been so positive and smiling and just wanting to share her story with others. And even throughout all this, there's been times when she's been supporting her friends when they go through tough times you know she'll call them and talk to them and help them so just having that additional energy to do that is just amazing and it's not like she's trying to prove anything or trying to it's just who she is and I just think that's amazing and I, I'm so grateful that she's my wife and that we've got to uh, share all this time together and she's chosen to be with me over the years too because I'm just so proud of her and admire her so much. Thanks babe, I appreciate it. I think, well I know for Jeff, he's extremely patient, not just with me but just in all areas of life. He just, I don't know anybody who doesn't get just frustrated, upset and start yelling or getting angry. He's very like calm, cool, collected, even when you, if you don't understand or know anything that he's going through, you would think that he's just really relaxed and chill from the outside. Even, I would say even people who work with him, like they don't, if he doesn't share anything, it's like things are going great. He's 
he's just been able to he's just been like that the the whole time and so I think that's that really says a lot about how he's able to kind of keep himself centered balanced um, and it is a skill that you have to to master and not just react but respond and he's very kind of he thinks through things before before speaking and he doesn't lash out or anything like that and I think that that's just so important for any kind of relationship because sometimes you say something and it's like you can't take it back so I think that's a valuable quality and and Jeff is also very um resilient and but he's it's like he's actually shared quite a bit on this podcast I would say outside of that I would describe Jeff as someone who is a person of few words <laughs> so I'm really <laughs> glad that he's opened up and, and shared some insightful bits of information but he really does think through what he what he says and he just is the biggest supporter and the biggest cheerleader and I I feel like I've only been able to accomplish all that I have and do all the things that I've wanted to do because he has supported me this whole time and and really believed in me so thank you so much love you babe love you too wow um me and Jeff you both I just want to thank you for being so open and letting us into just some of the most intimate parts of your journey and your experience. I feel like you guys just shared some really important messages with each other. As we come to a close, is there anything you wanna to say to your family and friends? I'd like to say that we truly appreciate all of their love and support that has been ongoing whenever we share their difficult times or we're facing a challenge we don't even have to ask and they send us love and prayers proactively and I do believe that it has carried us helped us carried us through just some very difficult times and we appreciate it and then something else too is just their support and positive feedback so Brennan Burchard had once said when he reflects and looks back at his life, he wants to ask himself three things. Did he live? Did he love? And did he matter? And I think with everybody's support and feedback that they've gotten, that they've provided us, I feel like, you know, I've met all three and just been living a really fulfilled life and I'm so grateful for that. I'd just like to say thank you to all our family and friends for all the support and uh, especially my family for having the patience and understanding that I've been able to see them as closely, especially over the last uh, couple of years. And, uh, but I know they're, they're there supporting and uh, just a ton of support from everybody and really just grateful for all of that. So thank you guys. 
And thank you, Hillary, so much for taking your time to help us record this and all you've done for us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I do want to add one more piece. <laughs> I would just... I just... I just want to ask I just want to ask my um, all of our family and friends that whenever that day comes after I pass to not forget about Jeff <laughs> because all of the pain and discomfort that I might be feeling, it's coming to an end. But his grieving process would just be beginning. And I would love for the support to continue for him. Because if you had a chance to get to know Jeff, you just know he's a great person. And I don't want him to face, I don't want him to face any challenges alone. That's all. Thank you. And thank you so much, Hillary, again, for doing this, for capturing our story. You're a really great friend. Thank you, guys. It really is an honor and a privilege to be entrusted with your story. I've told you that. And Nia, I had not heard that quote before, but if I'm remembering it, you said, have I lived? Have I loved? Have I mattered? Mm-hmm. And I want to tell you, you have lived, you are loved, and you do matter to me, to Jeff, and so many other people. And we will not forget about Jeff. Jeff, you are an incredible example of a caregiver, of a husband, of a supporter. And we will continue to take care of Jeff. Thank you guys both so much. I love you both. And I know I speak for everyone when I say that and that we are so grateful for you guys letting us come along on this journey with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I want to take a moment to thank all the Speak Gino listeners and our producer for this episode, Chris Mosier, who graciously volunteered his time. We encourage you to share this podcast with anyone you think would benefit from hearing me and Jeff's story. And as always, may we empower you, inspire you, and spark conversations. <laughs>